There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be No Popcorn, the movies and music offshoot of the No Encore podcast, which, if all goes according to plan with the release date of this episode, will be returning from its two-month hiatus about two days later. It's back on Valentine's Day, baby. Get hype. Get romantic. Anyway, No Popcorn's about movies, though, isn't it? Get a Dave bath going. David <laughs> Higgins. I'm not getting the bath going. Hello, David Higgins. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, you know. Life is difficult sometimes, and that's why you got movies like La La Land to maybe take you away. Norma Howard is also back, finally. Hello, how are we? Yeah, The, yeah, like, the dramatic return. It is dramatic, and as noted, uh, this might not be of any interest to the listener, but our studio time is limited, so we've just got to keep going, guys. Straight in. Uh, preamble, we should talk about what we've been watching. On this episode, of course, we'll be discussing La La Land in detail. Um, I guess we'll try and blast through this preamble as quickly as we can. Only one place to start it is, of course, the 2020 Academy Awards took place at the Dolby theatre in Los Angeles, California in the early hours of Monday morning. Did you stay up to watch it, Dave? I did not. I was uh, on an early shift this morning for our general election, so I uh, I just basically looked at the results on Twitter and was very, very happy with them. I woke up this morning at 6.35am to a message on my WhatsApp from Higgs, which just said, in all capitals, 
bong season. I wanted to, I wanted to send that at half five in the morning, but I, I, I was like, you know the way I give out to you when uh, you text me after half ten? He does this. Oh my God. The cutoff. The cutoff. I thought the cutoff was ten. You should have gotten like a, well, a yeah, bong ten. gong. Bong gong, yeah. Bong gong. I've been saying uh, big bong. And then everyone else in the country would know. They'd be like, oh, parasite. Big bong energy, I've been saying a lot today. Wow. Excellent. And the big bong theory, which I think is also kind mm. of... Hits from the bong if we're going there. It's all going. Who are we talking about? Mm. Bong Juno and Parasite, winner of four Oscars, uh, upset the apple cart, really. We all thought 1917 was going to win Best Picture and Best Director, but that did not happen. It won different awards, but yeah, it's a it's a absolute triumph for Parasite, a film that we've all seen now. I think we all like it. Yeah, absolutely love it. Delighted I, it won. I also love it. No, do you think I was going to come here with that kind of energy? No. <laughs> um, I what, think it's an absolute masterwork. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it's probably a five star film. Uh, I do think we're going to get a backlash now, though. Now that it's won the Oscars, I think people are going to turn around and be like, "Well, actually." It's just the South Korean version of Crash, isn't it? I think it's too. I think it's too late though, because this movie has been had such a like a long run in. Like we've had to wait until months. quite literally just the weekend yeah. to see it. You know, it's been out for five months. It's been talked about since Cannes, and if there was a backlash, the backlash would have already come. I think uh, this movie is kind of. I, I feel think, like it's on top of it when you're going to get yeah. more popular. I think everyone's just genuinely fucking delighted. <laughs> it's just it's, like. Did Everyone's any, so happy for him, for the cast. For his just, translator, who's cool as well. <laughs> did you think it could happen? I, I think I said to you that I was like, there's an outside, it could get Best Picture. I never thought director, never thought writer, never, like a full kind of acceptance. I thought like, you know, the the preferential ballot might sneak it over and it was doing well with cast, but I was just like, it's not a hope. Otherwise. Especially the thing is like the Golden Globes, it was 1917 and yeah. similarly Golden with Globes the BAFTAs which is obviously British films, so journalists though oh Hollywood Foreign Press yeah. yeah and then yeah but Directors Guild of America Writers Guild of America I think enjoyed Parasite quite a bit but well, Directors uh, Guild went 1917, 1917 Producers yeah. Guild went 1917 so it was kind of just like oh yeah this is kind of done and dusted um, yeah no it was great um, very happy to see it it was a big baby face reaction as well when Jane Fonda paused and called out the winner there was like a standing ovation everyone got involved uh, everyone had a great old time I did like a big predictions what should and what will win list on the night itself and uh, got most of them right and whenever I didn't get one right I had Parasite for example in the should win so I feel like but you got them all right boy done good so, so you guessed that uh, yeah. Joaquin so Phoenix really, would win for Joker congratulations it's about me I won an Oscar I won the best prediction uh, of course yeah the Joaquin Phoenix winning best actor was not a shock did you see his speech I didn't see his speech, although I did imagine what his speech was like. Yeah, it was supernova levels of lad in the workman's smoking area explaining things to you. Like, it was very activism-y, of course. It was very, like, we've been disconnected from the modern world now, man. And at one stage he went on this ramble about how, like, you know, cows get milked, man. And then that milk was in your in your cereal and in your coffee, and that's just no good. And then by the end of it, quoted his his late brother River. When he finally wrapped up the speech, he quoted his late brother River Phoenix, a lyric that he had written, uh, something about when you run to the rescue, there'll be peace and love or something. And he was choking up when he was saying it. He's an odd man. He's like he's admirable in lots of ways. He's a great actor. It's a good performance. He was always going to win. Yeah, I will say this. I'm I'm happy that he has an award in my head, though. You know, when Olivia Colman said his name, she said the master. He got up. He (laughs) embraced Rooney Mara. Philip Seymour Hoffman was there. They wrestled in the aisle. It was beautiful. That's a touching uh, imagery there. So yeah, no, I don't know. I, I do like the fact though that like 
all your Joker fans, well, not all of them, that's a bit of a generalisation by me, but a lot of the Joker fans who may fall into a bit of a problematic bracket have had to deal with Walking Phoenix getting on stage and doing all these activism speeches about, you know, gender equality and, uh, you know, fucking sexual equality and, and don't eat animals and stuff. And they're probably like, that's not my Joker. I... I still find the Joker thing a little bit weird and this is like the last thing I will say on it. If Joaquin Phoenix wasn't in Joker, it just wouldn't be a film. Like, I just I just don't think anyone would care about it as much as they did. So I'm delighted he got the Oscar. He makes that entire film. You don't think Bradley Cooper could bring the same energy? Do you? No. <laughs> but Bradley Cooper was... Are all, you? Well, he was attached to The Crow for a while. And that's uh, kind of the same thing. He's the producer on Joker as well. Oh, yeah, because he's he? mates yeah. with his buddy, Good Big Todd Phillips. Yeah. Did, did Joker win anything else? Oh, sorry. Best score. Hildur. Good Njotner. One of those? I'm not even going to attempt. She's an Icelandic uh, composer who also compo- composed the score for Chernobyl mm. and won an Emmy this year, I'm pretty sure. So she's been winning all around. Yeah, it's probably on the It's a good soundtrack, the score for Joker. It's yeah, no, no. She it, actually, it, she it gave a very, very nice good. speech where she was just kind of um, encouraging young females to go out there and write music and to be those people winning awards and stuff like that. Which is also nice as well because the conductor of the mm. night for the orchestra is a Irish female. Um, Emer, Emer Noon, Emer Noon, who Dahi interviewed on No Encore last oh, year. Get up. In his excellent uh, Are You Still at the Music episode, go seek that one out. Uh, I will say on this, I saw like some internet commentary, one that stuck out to me in a thread. It was just some bloke who presumably lives in South Korea, just said, saw this, the Oscars, at a local live event, and it had the energy of a soccer game. Parasite, the tiny indie film that could, versus Clown Movie, the huge studio <laughs> movie juggernaut, <laughs> beloved by incels and emotionally challenged fuckboys nice. the world over. Wasn't a huge crowd but the only real booze came when Joaquin won it definitely deserved best score though but Parasite taking the big prizes were the loudest cheering I've heard from a crowd of 50 people the ultimate David and Goliath story of cinema y'all um, so yeah uh, apart from that uh, what else did you have Brad Pitt obviously won first award of the night gave a nice little speech uh, oddball energy of him happy out his hair is getting very long I hope it's for a role uh, he's very handsome he's a handsome though. man <laughs> Laura Dern great series win an Oscar yeah um, all the acting categories were kind of just open and shut weren't they yeah um, I think the only one people might have gripes with is Renee Zellweger I don't think anyone really caught that film Judy not a particularly exciting film like everyone else like you know I've talked about how I'm kind of indifferent to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood but Rap It's Incredible in it happy to see him win Marriage Story is good. Lord Earns done better, Judy. but I'm very happy for her to actually finally win. Um, Do you think she's done better? I thought she was just outstanding in Marriage Story. Um, she's very good in Marriage Story, but she basically has the... They, 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 they stopped doing the, the kind of for your consideration reels. She has the best moment in the movie, but it's because it's the best written moment. It's not, you know, and it's performed well, but it's like, it's a big, big moment. Adam Driver, Adam Driver wants a word. Well, mate. Adam Driver has three moments, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, apart from that, anything else I know from the Oscars? Uh, seem to be fairly... They were from October, but David Lynch got an honorary award, which is great. Mm-hmm. Wes mm-hmm. Studi got one as well. Oh, wow, I love that guy. And, um, Eminem played. Oh, we all did for that. 
it was a, it was a who's fuck? who. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a, a, a good win for the good guys. I, I think it was at the Globe was also the Bong Joon Ho said something like, you know, once once some of you people get over your 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 one inch barrier of oh, subtitles. Once you look past the one inch barrier of subtitles, you can find so many more amazing stories. Also, yeah, which ma- is true. Which is true. Massive respect to Bong for calling the Oscars a local competition <laughs> and then just like walking away with it. My his God. his speech for best director was absolutely incredible. I had so much fun today. He's so charming. Looking on Getty Images of all of the imagery of Bong Joon-ho with just two Oscars. Yeah. Fucking amazing. There's also one shot of him at the bar and there's like five Oscars lined up and it's almost like, you know, the feeling when they're no longer serving but you've got a few Oscars. Like, it's just lovely. He's, He's like, Aww. I'll give you one. Just, you know, just one last thing on Bong. Did you see his interview on uh, Entertainment Tonight? I think, you know, Red Carpet, he was walking in and someone was like, Bong, Parasite, you know, what a movie. You know, where where, where does a movie like that come? It's, it's so strange. Like, you know, what's happening in your mind? And he's just like, I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Walk away. I will say on my second viewing, watching the movie, like these are no spoilers. And also, if you haven't seen Parasite, it really is best to go in with having not seen a trailer or yeah. read any of the plot details, if possible. Although the trailer that was doing the rounds that you, uh, I've seen you physically avoid it in the cinema when it comes on, uh, it gives away a good bit, but not as much as I feared it might. But still, just go see the film based on the buzz. But I will say this, uh, got very dusty in the theatre at the end there, guys. <laughs> a few tears strolling down old oh, really? David's face. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. But sure, we can talk about that. So we'll, we'll pivot to a film I saw in the lighthouse not two days prior or three days prior with you, David Higgins. Queen and Slim, Daniel Kaluuya in this movie, Get Out fame. Um, uh, Bokeem Woodbine pops up as well. Always great to see him. This is a film in which uh, a young couple, well, not really a couple, they go out on a date together. It goes horribly wrong. They got to go on the run. Um, directed by Melanie Matsukas, who did the formation video for Beyonce. Yes. And I think the Master None episode with the Thanksgiving one? Yeah, she's done a couple uh, that Lena Waits, I think, wrote the Thanksgiving episode as and well. And she wrote she's, this she's as well. Based this. on a story by James Frey. That guy? I believe you're right. Many little pieces. Fraud man. Um, this film is beautiful to look at. Um, makes a lot of points about, you know, kind of social commentary, uh, particularly about the black experience. Does so very, very well at times. I did find it meandered quite a bit. It's very long. It's kind of heavy-handed. But when it works, it works. And again, end of the movie. Couple of tears. They've got a little dusty again. A little dusty. Kal- Kaluuya, Kaluuya got me. Yeah, big time. I don't think you liked it as much as me. No, I think it's very good. I think you, I agree. It's a, it's an incredibly beautiful film. I just don't think it is as coherent as it could be. Like I didn't kind of know what movie I was watching at first because, uh, apart from its kind of very stark opening, there is a kind of humor to it, and I was like, are they going for some kind of? Is it almost like Cohen esque? Some of the supporting characters were quite interesting. Um, it also kind of has like a, a fairy tale quality to it and a, a Bonnie and Clyde quality. And then when it starts to push up against its social issues, it kind of gets a little bit murked. Um, but I do think that like across the board, like you mentioned, Dan and Kaluuya, the man is a bona fide star. We've been talking about just people who are incredibly watchable on screen and you know, put him in anything. I'm there. Um, I will say even the poster image. Oh yeah, it's is gorgeous and so interesting, and like his facial expression, hers just kind of immediately draw you in. Because you were saying that's a shot from the film I haven't seen. Yeah, it, it I would is like to see contextually recreated within the movie. Uh, speaking of watchable, we've said it before: is Denzel Washington the best watchable actor of, of all time? He might be. Dave has continued his Denzel season. I took in. I'll make this real quick. I took in Crimson Tide. Brilliant. Roman J. Israel Esquire. Terrible. And also contains the rarest of rare things, a bad Denzel Washington performance. And uh, Deja Vu, not great. 
Yeah, you're on your own here. I... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is Dave Could on Denzel, not. not Dave's on Denzel. But what have you been watching, mate? Yeah? <laughs> um, <laughs> I went to see Waves. I don't know if any, any of you caught that uh, trailer. I very much wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, this... And then it left the cinema. Actually, yeah, it kind of came out quite quickly. Uh, this is Trey Edward Schultz, who made It Comes at Night, his third feature. It's kind of slightly autobiographical story for him um, about a young high school student who's a, a wrestler and his younger sister um the kind of the main kind of stick out thing from this again like like um uh, queen and slim beautiful film kind of ends up well it's set in florida has a very kind of like malik vibe to it but it's full-on pitchfork in terms of its soundtrack it's soundtrack is it's remarkable yeah, from the start the, it's like straight it's in from with, the producers of euphoria Okay, that would make so, a lot of sense. It's got like some of the same actors who are in Euphoria, and I think like Euphoria has an outstanding soundtrack as well. Yeah. So I think it's kind of like there's obviously a lot of crossover of creatives and yeah, like the, they can pull from. This could almost be like it's not like a musical because nobody's singing in it, like occasionally, but like along with singing something in the car. But like the whole propulsion engine of this movie is just this incredible playlist that I have no idea how they cleared. Like there's about six Frank Ocean songs in it yeah, like Kanye, so Tyler, Aesop Rock Aesop yeah. Rocky um, the trailer is a Frank Ocean song yeah, yeah. Like, I mean the, the trailer I heard very little about it and it was like Godspeed beautiful cinematography I was like okay I'm in um, again incredible performances Sterling K. Brown's probably would be most people stand out but um, Calvin Harris Calvin Harrison Jr. and Taylor Russell are kind of like the two co-leads um, had not really seen them anything before. Very excited to see them and things going forward. All right. Uh, I guess before we move off movies real quick, Fast 9, anyone? Fast and Furious 9 no. trailer? Do we see it? <laughs> yes, of course I saw it. Four minute trailer. Yeah, it must be the <laughs> longest trailer I've ever seen. Shows you the entire film. John <laughs> Cena is the villain. The Rock's not in it. John Kitsy Cena Ghosts. Kitsy Ghost in the soundtrack. John Cena playing Vin Diesel's villainous long lost brother. And also Han returning from the dead. And I have a theory that they're going to fold in the Back to the Future uh, universe into this because there's a character dressed exactly like Marty McFly and there's something that looks completely <laughs> like their time-travelling car. So like the DeLorean. Han, the character they go back. who was killed off yeah. in the series already, is now back mysteriously alive. You think they're actually going to go back in time and save him? Why? Like, literally, why not with this series <laughs> at this stage? Fair enough. Okay, uh, we got to move on and it's time for La La Land, which sounds a bit like this. As I sing the song, a small town kid will come along. That'll be the thing to push him on and go. So that's the opening tune from La La Land. It's very over the top. But before we get into the over the topness, what is this film, David Higgins? It comes from the director of Whiplash, Damien Chazelle. It was his big follow-up, got a lot of attention at the Oscars, and we'll be talking about that as well. But where did it come from? Uh, Damien Chazelle loves jazz. Um, he This is his third feature. He had previously, as you mentioned, made Whiplash. And he had made kind of a student film called Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which is apparently a similar theme to La La Land it's very difficult to seek out it, like 
completely no budget, kind of a bit more not as cheery in its outlook. Um, but anyway, he's a young director, um, massive success with Whiplash, got some Oscars for it, and La La Land has been something that he's been kind of working on for a while with his uh, his composer, Justin Hurwitz. They went to college together. Um, they couldn't get it funded, and they got to a position where after Whiplash, they were put in a position they could get it made. So it's kind of his big scaling up in terms of budget, production, stars, everything. It's your blank check passion project. You mentioned stars there on the poster and in the movie is Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, but that wasn't what it was supposed to be now, was it? No. Originally, Miles Teller. Your favourite. My, my favourite. And Do you uh, despise Miles Teller? I just don't like him. He's, <laughs> Why? I think he's really smug. Um, he has a bit of a... Like he, I find it's <laughs> like what's the word I, I want. I rewatched kind of Whish- Whiplash, <laughs> and I found it like really difficult because they don't like either of the people in it. I know you're supposed to be kind of cheering for him, and you know Terence Fletcher is a piece of shit. Do you not like J.K. Simmons as an actor or the character? Is no, he's an incredible actor. His character is god awful. Yeah, um, and you're supposed to be kind of cheering for for Teller, and it's just like he's he's kind of obnoxious. The way Sebastian in this is obnoxious, but. Ryan Gosling plays Sebastian in this movie. Um, Emma Stone's... And he's a dream vote. I mean... <laughs> is that where we're going? <laughs> he is one of the most, Tumblr in boyfriend. my opinion, like extremely likeable actors. Ryan Gosling. I feel like people see them and they're just like, he's great in that role. Who else would you cast? He's just like... Well, Miles Teller, apparently. But Teller dropped out because of what, contractual difficulties or something? Yeah. Apparently... Teller is a pricey man to get in a movie, maybe. Um, <laughs> None of it's Top Gun Maverick. Um, Emma Watson was originally um, in the Emma Stone part. Which, there's a weird thing. So she was originally offered the Emma Stone part and then couldn't do it because she was like scheduling conflicts with Beauty and the Beast. And the role of Beast was originally offered to Ryan Gosling, who turned it down to be in La La Land. Oh, wow. Uh, so Fun and fact. Emma Watson then replaced <laughs> Emma Stone in Little Women. Yeah, weird. Circle Good life. God, this <laughs> they're is... the same person. <laughs> so, where does Dan Stevens fit in? The Beast himself from Beauty and the Beast. We're never. I could see that, Dan Stevens in this film. By I the forgot way. who that was. He he was supposed to be great. He was in the guest, <laughs> and I was like, this guy's going to be the next James Bond, and wow. that hasn't happened. Right. So it's a song and dance movie. Passion Project, as mentioned, starts off in that kind of uh, lustrous vein that you heard back there. The opening sequence is a traffic jam in which everyone gets out and does this big colourful number, like a like a gap ad, I suppose. Yeah, it's like At the, this very point, multicultural point, yeah. very colourful. Everyone's wearing like block. I watched this on a, I watched this on a Hangover before going to vote in the general election, and then going into work. And right when this thing started, I knew I was in trouble, guys. Yeah, I was, I was just, I was like, at what, at what hit of the cowbell were you just like, oh, fuck? Um, I will say overall, my second watch of La La Land, I liked it much more. I didn't hate it initially. I actually, like, I enjoyed lots of bits of it. I hated the opening number. It's, it's in, it's, yeah, I, I, I can understand. I, I like, like it as, as, a, as a performance, but the it's... vocal is just... It's it's too happy. Have I the first time I saw this was on November 9th, thousand and sixteen. I'd had no sleep the night before because I had to, you know, basically get up very early. But I was awoken at half two in the morning. I looked at my phone to find out the news that Donald Trump had just been elected <laughs> oh the president of the United States of America. <laughs> went into work for an entire day of just being like, you know, 
wired, but also like, Jesus, what the fuck is going on with the world? Then had to go to a press screen in La La Land. And the, the opening number, I will agree, I like it now, but I was like, this is too much. I feel like this yeah. is just like indirect conversation with how bad I feel right now. And it's just, you know... It's it's like being hung over constantly at Disneyland or something and you're just standing <laughs> watching the parade. It's like, I can't deal with this. I find it as the least likable song and I don't think that the vocals don't sound very full or like nice. <laughs> they sound quite hollow and quite high pitched. So it, it starts you off on a bad note. It also... It starts you off bad. You know, you're, you introduced, you're introduced to Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone at the end of this thing. So it's more of like, it's, it's meant to be some kind of like dropping you into this fantastical world. Like, no, I should setting cry. you up as LA, this is the place everyone comes to chase mm-hmm. their dreams. Everyone's looking to be someone there. And the gag at the end of it is everyone gets back into their cars and they're all beeping at each other. So, you know, it's it, like, it's, it's a masquerade. But I, I should say that I didn't hate the song and I didn't hate the movie. I think people thought I was going to despise this thing. This is big news for me. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. And I'll say this, right? So I didn't like it, but he had to go along with it. <laughs> I didn't like it, but, but I had to go along with it. I did have to go along with it because Higgs fucking chose it. But I mean, like, so basically, I think a criticism that gets thrown around an awful lot, and I say this in the full-throated knowledge that I am part of the problem as a white male podcast host, is that, you know, white men, mediocrity, creativity, blah, 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 you know, shite, let's get more cultural voices out there and diverse. And of course, absolutely. My counterpoint to that as a white male who creates things is that like, well, what's the, what does the white guy do? Just sit in his room and do nothing? You know, like everyone, isn't equality meant to be about everyone creating things, blah, 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 shouldn't matter. But the reason I say all of this is to say that, like, I usually reject the criticism on a, on a base level. This is the whitest guy, whitest fucking film I've ever seen, I think, ever. Like, I was just like, this is just fucking, like, privileged Damien Chazelle hanging out with Justin Hurwitz in some nice college in America, telling the story of two beautiful people who are kind of ciphers, and I just couldn't connect to it at all on any emotional level. I just was like, who's this for? It's just, like, no. Like, this This is, like, no. I... I will say that like the first time I saw it and I was exceptionally hyped. Everyone had built it up to be like the film of the year. It was going to be incredible. I love musicals. So ready to get on board. And I found myself like quite disappointed and found myself picking apart those kind of things where I was like, who are these people? Who's this guy to be the saviour of fucking jazz? Like what? Like what is this? And the second time round, I much more accepted that it's, that it is just, it's a film that's for romantics. It's just like... I'm a romantic. Fluffy stuff that's meant to happen. I'm fluffy stuff they, that's meant to they happen. They fly around in the air and stuff <laughs> like that. I, uh, I and I was able them. to disconnect from it a lot more. I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's designed to be relatable in that way. I find there were certain um, elements of um, Emma Stone's character Mia that I would have related to at a point in my life as like a creative. There are certain moments that kind of hit with you where you're like, oh. I feel like that sometimes where I'm like, oh, you know what, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe it's that. Apparently a lot of her frustrations where she's going for auditions and the casting directors aren't paying attention to her were gathered from real life things that happened to them. And I'm sure it yeah. does. I think one of the, her failed auditions is, an, is something that happened to Ryan Gosling where he went for an audition and the casting director answered the phone while he was mid-audition and was just like talking on the phone and he was like, oh. And mid-crying. Yeah. And he's like, do I stop? (laughs) Like, Imagine being that casting director now. Like, Jesus. You're like, swinging a miss. (laughs) I just thought he was another one of the Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) So yeah, it's not that I like had this toxic rejection to it, but 
I just didn't really like the characters. And also, I know they've made three films together, but is the is the Gosling Stone chemistry axis really that good? I think so. Um, yeah, I I, would agree. I gave Gangster Squad another spin. God rest my soul. <laughs> <laughs> Took one to the team. Yeah, one hundred percent. Film that needs She's to be wearing seen a, a fake bum in that film. What? I'll never. Yeah, Emma Stone has a fake. Everybody's got to fake something. You know, Penn's got that nose. <laughs> oh, that film sucks. It's an utterly her horrible, horrible, horrible film. You, you, you actually forgot how gross it is, didn't yeah. you? I watched 20 minutes and turned it off because I was like, I can't. I, I, I can't I'd gone to this. see it in the cinema and basically forgotten everything about it. And then, you know, 15 minutes in, I was like, oh, wow, this is like grotesque levels of violence. It's just like not even building up to to, to putting someone over. But but they all look very pretty. And they nice. all look very pretty. And <laughs> Gosling like, and Stone fine. are incredible together in it. I think their genuine chemistry is fantastic. I don't really think that we have it in movies anymore. We don't have like movie stars who like have chemistry together. So can you can you give me some? I'm curious of this. The only ones I could think of, and like I'm going back 20 years, is just like... Clooney and Jennifer Lopez and Out of Sight where it's just like two incredibly famous people and they just work together so well like people don't make as many big romance movies anymore Will Smith and Martin Lawrence (laughs) (laughs) Bad Boys for Life Nailed it I'll tell you who I did like I liked Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor in Down With Love remember that one? I have not seen that one, but and maybe we'll be saving that. I will say, that. So, uh, one, like another musical that I think two people have exceptional chemistry in, um, that I drew on moments of, for comparison to La La Land, was Moulin Rouge. So Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman, I do think, have, in like the big, grandiose musical style, they do seem to have these like little moments where you're like, oh, I can see why they're crazy about each other. I think you're hearkening back to an old Hollywood time though when you would have the same actors in multiple projects together. That's the thing, I mean, obviously yeah. they make references to um, to this a lot in this movie and like the day before I watched La La Land I was watching um, Key Largo, it's like old... Just chill now, John, Key John, Largo. John Houston film with Bogey <laughs> and McCall and it's like, I want, I want that, I want them to be in more movies. Forget your cinematic universe it's Bogey just going to be no, bad news yeah. for you friend yeah. <laughs> it can't be what <laughs> when um, I, I want Gosling and Stone to be in more things together I want to you know put them in anything I'll watch it um, I even rewatched Crazy Stupid Love which is a movie that has not aged very well oh, just yeah. going a quick Ooh. tangent I kind of forgot that <laughs> that, uh, that Ryan Gosling's character is a living personification of Neil Strauss's The Game he's just like negs people to have sex with them for the entire thing but is also like weirdly charming. That's the thing about Gosling. So I, I I agree with you that um, this is an incredibly white film. There's like there's no mm-hmm. getting away from it. I think Sebastian in it is a massive arsehole. Yeah. Like he's so obnoxious. Like well, t- number one, he's incredibly rude to me. Just like off the bat, off the so bat, like on. I mean, shoulder like, charges. Are. Yeah. So plot wise, she's a struggling actress. She's he's, working in yes, a coffee sorry, shop. Yeah. Warner Brothers <laughs> lot. Yeah. There's not much of a plot. Yeah. yeah. He's a jazz player. He's a jazz player, and he, he's introduced. Struggling jazz where, player, struggling actress. Yeah. He's introduced. He's, he's past due. He's got, he's got these Hollywood bills with past due written on them, and fourth notice, and he's got a sister who's like, call this person, and blah 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 blah. He goes back to a job that he was. Clearly ran out of by J.K. Simmons, who cameos in this movie in a jazz bar. He's asked to play the set list, which is crappy Christmas songs on the piano. He's clearly a ferocious talent, but he doesn't want to play this shit, man. He's for real. And so, predictably enough, he goes off on a jazz fusion odyssey while in this bar. And J.K. Simmons is like, you're fired, mate. 
Uh, Emma Stone, who went to a party with her mates that night, has wandered in, sees him, goes over to say, oh my God, your playing is amazing, as he shoulder charges her. Proper belt. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking ridiculous. Sorry, I had to grab a bus. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wham. There. And then, inexplicably, like, they see each other again. And they see each other again in probably the funniest scene in the movie, where... Oh, wait, they did. I ran. Which is very good. I knew you'd love good. that one. That bit was great. So the, she goes to a garden party, and, like, the sense of chronology is kind of strange, this one, where I'm like, is this the next day? Oh, no, apparently it's months later. No, they, they, they say... It's split into the seasons. Season. Season. Yeah. So it begins as spring, and then the summer she's summer. at this garden party. So I guess months have passed. I'm Is like, I'm, I'm like that guy over here who can't tell the chronology oh. of Little Women, despite it being very easy to tell. <laughs> I um, could not stand people who are like, "What age were they meant to be?" I'm like, I don't know. Take Florence Pugh's fringe as an yeah. indicator and shut the hell up. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So Emma Stone goes to a garden party, and at the garden party, there are this cheesy, on purpose. Uh, 80s cover band playing in which Ryan Gosling is playing keyboards and a keytar and Emma Stone requests that they play I Ran by Flock of Seagulls which is one of the best songs of all time <laughs> and it's a good moment it's a good kind of you know fuck you from her to him and that's where their courtship comes of age uh, not long after is it the same party that not long after they, they do their big song and dance poster number yeah so they're he's they're walking her back dance. to the car let's have a little in taste Hollywood Hills. yeah let's have a taste of it. you see there's nothing here well, let's make something clear I think I'll be the one to make that call It's your call And though you look so cute in your polyester suit It's wool You're right, I'd never fall for you at all And maybe this appeals To someone not in heels Or to any girl who feels There's some chance for romance But I'm frankly feeling nothing Or it could be less than nothing Good to know, so you agree That's right, what a waste of a lovely night Complete with, you know, Gene Kelly-isms Soft shoe This was easily my favourite number in the movie uh, In terms of the choreography and the chemistry And the song being kind of good And the writing being kind of sharp And I liked the, the, the message in it Which was, you know, like Oh, we're not we're not made for each other. We're gonna waste the night together, whatever. Uh, as me cutes go in this kind of movies, it worked on me, guys. I was charmed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice. A lovely, lovely scene. Um, colors think, are beautiful. Colors are beautiful. Like uh, Linus Sangren. Everything is like permadusk, magic hour um, in the Hollywood Hills. This very, very nice. Like they they do long, long takes in this. Like they they show you the work. I mean, you you weren't so, on with cats where it was just like what what the what's I've, happening here. I was just they, about to say because it's so fresh about how you guys were discussing how like the cats choreography being filmed got it so wrong because it's just like don't film choreography like that. This film does get filming choreography really right. Yeah. Like, it showcases it really well. It looks gorgeous. It has a sense of movement with the camera, is, like, in tandem with the movement of the dancers. And I think that works really well. Are they good singers, yes or no, Norma? Like, I think, like, they can both sing, for sure. They can sing. The difficulty I have with, and, like, I adore Emma Stone, but I just find, I sometimes find, again, her voice a little too hollow, a little too tinny, um... It's quite high, which like some people like. Because <laughs> Shrill, it's you might say. <laughs> no, it's just like, I actually think she has nodes, which adds that level of huskiness to her voice. So like, she's singing in a particular register and um, 
I just found it hard at times, even though I know other people are like, oh, it makes it feel natural and just sort of, you know, like, oh, they just fell into singing, which is something that someone I was watching this with commented on at the time that the performance of the songs in this and the mixing of the music does, doesn't bring you out of the film. It does feel like they were just singing and now a big number is happening as opposed to a track is turned on and now this is the singing voices. You get the impression that they sang on location, but then they would have had to You'd be right. with that as well, though, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but like you'd lose it. They tried to do that in Sweeney Todd and several people lost their voices because they were like, we're going to go for another take and it's like, can't, can't keep Belton. As for Belt. Gosling, he's no Pierce Brosnan, but he's no Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> That's my scale. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, no, he <laughs> the bookends. I mean, he sings a lot. Like never he, he speaks. He doesn't. There's not a huge separation between his singing voice and just how he is in regular conversation. It's just someone who. But isn't that cute? That yeah, no, I, I think I think it works. Like, um, you know, I wouldn't put him in anything. I wouldn't put him in a you know a Broadway musical. But in terms of this, like, it's kind of. No, you and McGregor and Moulin Rouge. That's all we're saying. <laughs> even though, even though the scale of it is like big, you know, studio musical, it kind of feels quite small at the same time. So, like, it feels almost like an indie, even though it's not an indie. So, I can kind of get away with them not being the best singers. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the score requires massive amounts of them either. How do you feel though about or this? Like the songs don't require a huge amount. Sebastian Wilder, white savior of jazz. Norma has alluded to it. Is this a problematic thing? Does um, it matter? Can, um, he's a white guy who likes jazz, but I don't know. He he likes jazz. There's a lot of mansplaining there. He he's trying to give a platform for jazz and all the all the. He's just trying to have a club. All, yeah, all the, all the musicians, <laughs> all the musicians that end up playing in his club are black musicians. So he's giving them a platform. I don't think he's under any illusions that he's going to save jazz. Like, I mean, he he has a conversation with his friend played by John Legend. John fucking Legend. Let's talk I about it. I loved this. <laughs> I liked it like, to begin with, but I think they fucked it. So basically, John Legend plays his friend. They, first of all, they allude to, like, an acrimonious past, and they kind of eventually confirm that they were in a band together, and he was... Gosling was forced out. He gets recruited to this new band, but it's not like the old band, is it? They've got a record deal and they're a ship pop band. They're called the Messengers. Terrible name. Terrible name, <laughs> terrible band. Everything about like the imagery and the songs that they're playing are absolutely absolutely terrible. At one stage, like Ryan Gosling at a gig has this horrific, like, you know, Oingo Bongo style solo. Like and like and it's just, Oingo it's, Boingo. Yeah, actually, you know what? Fuck it. I need to hear this song again. So here it is. I don't care if this turns into right. Let's get reckless, tear this place down to the floor Turn the music way up loud, ain't nobody stop us now I just know I feel so good tonight Oh, I just know I feel so good tonight So the message is basically like the message of the messengers is basically that like he's sold out, man, but he's making money, and it's that kind of he, creativity versus commercial thing that all he artists has a have to. Line where he's like, "Oh, you're so focused on being something about a revolutionary. Um, you want to be revolutionary, but really you're just a traditionalist, and like you're what's 
holding back jazz. Yeah, they, because like, like you need to adapt and change with time, and that's how you become a revolutionary is by coming up with something new. Whereas you just want to stay stuck in the past. Well, the band are obviously depicted as being cheesy as fuck, and they attract like a general audience. That's fine. But when it lost beyond this front was when they do the photo shoot. They do this photo shoot sequence, and like there's this like old English man, leather jacket dude, who's annoying Ryan Gosling. It turns out he's forgotten that he has to have like a birthday dinner or no, go to see no, her. Go yeah. see her one woman play. One person show. Yeah. Yeah. He encourages her to, after numerous failed auditions, he encourages her to write her one woman play. He can't go to online because he has to have an impromptu photo shoot. And during the photo shoot, an obnoxious photographer gets in his face and it's all like, you know, grit your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Bite your lip. Oh, I put, push the glasses down. And like, to me, I was like, right, Damien. I totally understand this. I understand what you're doing with this band. You you didn't need this scene at all. This scene is fucking straight out of Wayne's world. He definitely didn't need the dialogue. Like, we got that your man was like, I hate this. Mm. And it goes on for a long time. There is moments in La La Land that leaves me, like, slightly where I'm like, there's times where I'm like, I'm going to suspend my disbelief because we're in sort of, like, this cutesy, romanticised, like, dancing up in the the observatory the Griffith Observatory Observatory. Um, and they're like dancing in the air and you're like oh cute beautiful it's musical there was like that moment when he forgets that he has to go to the photo shoot and miss her one night one woman show (laughs) um, doesn't tell her about it and then shows up when the play is ended and I was like how did it like did he just think she wouldn't notice but he wasn't there. He wasn't one of the There's seven people, people in the audience. I'll ruin it for you. Like She breaks up with him on the spot. Fair enough? Absolutely. He's a dickhead. <laughs> Does she not break up with him when they have that dinner? It's still a bit like up in the air. Yeah. And then when she comes out of the theatre and he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's over. And, yeah. and then he's like, what's over? And she's like, everything. And then... Yeah, listen mate. Farewell to Boulder City. <laughs> uh, they eventually go their separate ways. Uh, she becomes a successful actress. He opens his own jazz club. They end up together in the jazz club at the end, even though she's married with a kid. And like she, you know, you get this fantastical sequence of what might have been. And it's a melancholic conclusion. You know, do you follow your dreams? Do you do you go with your heart? Do you do whatever? They'll always, there, there was one scene I, I, I did like. There was a scene where like before the last kind of sequence, because the, the whole last ending completely lost me. I just didn't care. But like, I like the scene where they were together. And it's like, in fact, like before they break up and go their separate ways they say to each other like you know Ryan Gosling's like I'm always going to love you and she's like I'm always going to love you too no matter what happens next and it was like that, that that's was a nice one scene. of the moments where I felt like their chemistry really comes through is like it felt real he brings her give back them all the credit from the Boulder City um, he brings her back after she's like quit acting because he's like this woman got on to me she's a casting agent she saw your one woman show like come on I'll pick you up I will bring you to the audition let's do this and after a bit of like cajoling she decides to do it and then they have a conversation post and she's just like where are we and he's like we're sitting in the park and she's like no what like where are we and it did just feel like a very real moment in two people's lives where they're like i care so much for you i care so much for you but like uh, who are we kidding we're on two different paths yeah there's also before that like i mean the big audition scene which gets her um her career because they're like you know it's gonna be like a like a victorious style project apparently like you know we're gonna go to europe we're gonna three shoot months this thing. development and four months shoot time fuck off <laughs> okay, can i just <laughs> make a, get that from? A, a point about that she has and, and again maybe it's just damien chazelle not understanding like rock music or, or something like that that 
one of her big issues. You're on tour. You're going on tour. You're gonna be gone for a while. And she's going to go to Paris for seven months. Like, does she? She she, she works in an industry, or she wants to be in an industry that is not nine to five, is is not regular. Yet she has major gripes with the fact that he's on tour. The, like the they, other, they, they're both like, going to do yeah. the same thing. It's just the like surely is, you would be understanding of yeah. of that. Like I don't buy the breakup at all. It, it kind of just seems like they kind of need to find something to, to spit uh, them off. I would say movie. though, like the best scene in the film for me is when they're having that argument at dinner, and it's like it's just it gets like a little bit nasty. It gets very nasty. There's a particular line that said where she's like, "Oh, you'll just be gone," and like what will I do? And they're kind of discussing how the relationship will work and how she wanted him to follow his dreams. And like, is this really his dream? And he's like, you need to wake up. There's a reality here. And then he says something like, maybe you just liked me when I was down on my ass because it made you feel good about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You can't come back from that. (laughs) And he doesn't. Fatality. (laughs) Kill shot. The surefire kill as Bong Joon-ho described the ending of Parasite. (laughs) That's what that um, is. But no, I, I find that like that whole sequence, dead. I agree with you, it's performed very well, but a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie, and granted, it is a throwback to simpler films and whatever the fuck, but a lot of this film just to me feels like because script. Like, it really does feel like, you know, cool, and now it's time to do this scene, now it's time to do this scene, here's this archetypal character and they're in for five seconds, and like, fair enough if you're playing on tropes, but I think if you try and make your own kind of compelling love story, I never quite fell into it. Um, I guess, yeah, the the audition that she does... Uh, we sh- do we have a listen to that already? No, we'll have a listen Let's to have that. Let's have a listen to that. She captured a feeling Sky with no ceiling The sun set inside a frame She lived in her liquor And died with a flicker I'll always remember the flame Here's to the ones who dream Foolish as they may seem So that's her in a room and telling a story about her aunt who was an actress who, you know, died of alcoholism or whatever and, you know, it's all about will will I follow the same path and who knows what awaits me in the future. To me, that broke the fourth wall because I was like, well, this is just Emma Stone winning the Oscar, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, this is Anne Hathaway. This, this is the I dreamed a dream. This is memory. It's <laughs> it doesn't have the the same impact. It's like it's it's a good song, but I think the the thing that you could l- kind of put against La La Land is like it doesn't have an absolute showstopper tune. And the, this is definitely you, you can tell that they've they've set up the whole movie for it. Even the way it's framed, it's just like slowly. You know, a lot of the scenes will just like bring the lighting down until someone is just in spotlight, and it's like full close up. We're going in. We're gonna zoom around her head. We're gonna stick with her the whole way. We're gonna let her belt it out. It's the, good, but yeah. I I definitely wanted more from it. The interesting thing that I found about it when I was looking a few things up was um, it was originally just spoken, and then Emma Stone was like, oh, "Should we not just sing it?" And then they got a pianist in and kind of just like tried it out and see, just see what happens. Because the tricky thing about the film is if you have a character who wants to be an actor and you're seeing them do these kind of cheesy auditions for soaps or for like adverts that are like kind of crap, 
you can't show their winning audition because it's just going to look like they're acting all the time. It's just like, it's just going to be Emma Stone acting real good. And it's like, well, we know she's acting already. She's in a film. Do you know what I mean? Well, when she was doing earlier in the movie, when she's doing acting real bad, that's another thing that kind of irks me when I'm like, oh, here's the professional actor being doing bad. Doing the bad thing. Like, eh. So then it's like, how can you set her up to be like, this is the audition that's going to make your career? And it's like, how will she act that? And what will she say? So I do think it serves her character to be able to sing it and to have that moment. I definitely wanted more from the song. It was a bit too tinkling, a bit too, like shy and it should have given her more of that spotlight because like I find Seb gets his spotlight a little bit more in the film than Mia does we get even amounts of story I think but he gets a little bit more shine at times okay well I guess like I said I didn't hate this movie didn't love this movie. Didn't really like this movie. But I don't... It didn't offend me. Uh, but I do want to... I'm very surprised that it did not offend it didn't you. Have, it, it just kind of glided over me. I will say that... I, oh, two hours and seven minutes, by the way. No. Just no. Way too long. Like, really? No fuck. Literally, at one stage, right? For oh, yeah. a musical. What really bothered me, though, You have was, to take into account that yeah. it's musicals are longer. What, yeah. I, what, what really they bothered me songs. was when I realised <laughs> that they were that their courtship was going really well around like the 52 minute mark I was like oh no it's going to be like marriage story I will, the musical. I will say <laughs> the thing that does and I have it like written down in my notes because it's mad is that it's like it's slow to build it builds and then the end it just belts through a half an hour it really like, does yeah and I know that obviously the ending is a lot of like montage stuff and like kind of fantastical sets where they slip throughout different realities of like if we'd stayed together what would it have been like and then but this is the reality of what happened it does absolutely pelt through it it's like she hits that audition and then five years later she's married with a kid and is a multi-millionaire actress in Hollywood yep five and, years <laughs> and you get that reversal scene of her going into like the same coffee shop that she worked in and everyone being yeah, like it's all the putting, house and putting like, no, the money no, in the I tip insist. jar because that's what the I didn't root for them I just and by the end of it I was kind of like this is probably how it should have gone. He'll drink himself to death in that club and, you know, she'll have another kid and win two Oscars. I don't know. Like, I remember people being like, at the time, being like, is it a bit stereotypical that it's like, oh, she's married with a kid. Like, that's her eventuality. And I was like, but even in the Ryan Gosling fake eventuality, she also has a kid. <laughs> so it's oh, like, yeah, she was, course, yeah. children were present no but matter what. She was a very, very successful actress, though. Lots of very successful actors have kids. She has, know, was, she has, oh, no, no, no. I was just saying weird. that loads yeah. of people were like, fast forward five years and she has a baby. It's oh. like, I mean, it it's an easy like, way to show the passage of time. Yeah, it's just like, and the child is like three. Yeah, <laughs> like, straight like, away. How quick did you yeah. bang Greta Gerwig out? could learn a thing or two about passage of time depiction in these movies. Eh? Just throw a new kid in there for no reason who's all grown up into five years of age. Just one thing about your uh, Seb is going to drink himself to death just to go back onto to the white saviour. So clearly Seb is... A, like a cipher for Damien Chazelle, and I think like he's poking a little bit of fun at possibly how douchey he is. I don't think, I don't think Chazelle is under kind of any belief that you know this guy is super cool. This guy is saving jazz because I mean at the end of the movie, he's pretty miserable. He's opened his he's no friends. He's he's opened his <laughs> club and there's people there. Legend. But like, is his club <laughs> is his club any better than the club that? him and Emma Stone went to when those same guys were playing and it's like that place looked way more fun than Seb's it's just like because you have Charlie Parker's stool or whatever so yeah I just like I feel like it's kind of Chazelle's been critical of himself and 
Well, I'm going to be critical of Chazelle now via the medium of a film critic by the name of Walter Chow, who wrote two incredible pieces on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year. You love this guy. He's the, probably the best writer out there, I think, when it comes to film. Like like that one, his main review on the website called filmfreakcentral.net. Uh, <laughs> it's the name a of the real, website. A real website. Gear up. Gear up. Uh, his Once Upon a Time Tell Hollywood really review <laughs> from last year is legitimately the best piece of criticism or of anything I read all year. It's not just because he enjoyed the film as well. He manages to weave this incredible personal and far-reaching poignancy into the piece. And he also wrote an excellent piece of, on the Bruce Lee stuff and uh, as an Asian-American man himself uh, his arguments are quite interesting and quite layered so I would recommend checking out his work but I was looking up the big Rotten Tomatoes uh, very healthy score for, for uh, La La Land and naturally enough my my, my thumb drifted You're towards You're looking for, the, for those those green <laughs> squished yeah, tomatoes I sure was and there's about two pages of them and I saw he was in there and I was like oh my mate he's there okay let's see what he has Your to friend. say Your friend uh, as is often the case, he he's a better writer than I am. So here's his closing paragraph argument. Which I just want to put to both of you and just see what you think of it. You can reject it outright, or you can say the man has a point. It's all good. So he closes off by saying, Chazelle opens with the old Cinemascope logo in the same way that Tarantino opens his films with vintage logos and teasers. The difference is, is that Tarantino understands the movies he's pulling from and Chazelle does not. Homage just isn't playing the notes or oversaturating the colours. There are two adaptations of Charles Portis's True Grit. One of them actually hears the music. La La Land is tone deaf. It has no catchy tunes, no extraordinary numbers, although there are a couple of big ones. It's directed by the wrong person and written by the wrong person who happened to be the same guy. Oh, and there's a Baz Luhrmann scene with Dancing Among the Stars. Swoon. The No Dames number in Hail Caesar is the most devastating critique of La La Land possible, doing in five minutes what this film fails to do for what seems like hours. It relies on Stone being cute and Gosling being smug, a reminder that The Notebook was also a bad musical. You root for them as actors but could give a shit about their characters. There's a moment where Sebastian puts his hand experimentally on a light pole and the picture tenses in anticipation of his Gene Kelly moment. Then he takes his hands away and puts them in his pocket. La La Land is Step Up 6 award season and there's not an authentic bone in its three-strip Technicolor-esque body. How about it? Um, <laughs> Who hurt you, Walter? <laughs> I like I I love Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge, and I will say that that moment when they're in the observatory and they go up into the stars and they do a little dance around felt like a big elephant love medley where uh, Nicole Kidman and Newman Gregor's characters are like brought up into the stars and the moon is singing operatically and they do this big medley. Um, and like I, I feel like moments like that, La 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 didn't earn, La La Land didn't earn at all, where it's like, it's pushing so hard to be like, we're just the old school romantics, we're just the classic Hollywood and we just love a good love story kind of thing. And there's moments where it doesn't hit that. Um, I don't think, I, I, inauthentic, like, is that what it said? Not an authentic bone in its body. I would disagree. I mean... Did you I, say he originally? Did you originally give it five stars? No, four. I four. think you gave it five. I went back. I checked the tape. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think. I think. I. I think I was floating Googling because because I, I, I came out of it on a bit of a buzz, but then it wasn't released for like two months, so I had a little bit of time to to calm down, perhaps get used to oh, the Trump administration. Take yeah. A, yeah, get take used to the Trump administration. Cold glass of water. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I didn't have the the glow of just looking at Ryan Gosling wear suits really well. Um, yeah, I like I get some of the criticism. I I disagree with it. Um 
I do care about the characters. I think a lot of that is to do with the actors in it, but like I do feel like I'm rooting for them. Their their ending, it kind of it does get me. It is bittersweet. I want them to be together. I don't know who this new guy is. She needs to leave him. <laughs> get back with Seb. Um, he and was there's, the there's, most there's genuine like boring, moments where sorry. like lads, that's Tom Everett Scott from <laughs> an, just, from like, an American werewolf in Paris. <laughs> the but like the guy who who's married is just like the most standard looking American. He is yeah. like the most standard looking American is the first boyfriend who's the body double oh, for a Windelvoss in Facebook. Yeah, sorry, is, the, the Facebook is, phone, no, the social network. No, no, no. It's is not, that not Josh Pence? No, Josh Pence is his brother that they go on the the meal with the boyfriend that she leaves at the meal is a guy called Finn Whitrock which is an amazing name oh wow who pops up in a ton of Ryan Murphy stuff and I believe he's in Judy as well oh yeah he's doing alright good for him well anyway um, boring I do <laughs> but I agree yes he looks like your chiselled handsome American male even though I, I admit I, I Sebastian is not a person I would like to hang out you'd with you'd rather sleep with Ryan Gosling <laughs> is what I'm getting from this wouldn't we all I'm thirsting here no um, as long as he wears those spats <laughs> is he still with Eva Mendes is that a thing yes yeah I think they have kids two kids together she needs to get back into the Fast and the Furious franchise Agreed. And he needs to join the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> if Ryan Gosling was and the do, key villain in the 10th movie, I'd be happy. But sorry, award season was mentioned in that review that I pulled from there. And of course, La La Land uh, received many awards and didn't receive some awards. Uh, the Oscars of and that year... received the award and then had a retracted... Correct. And <laughs> um, we're going to have a quick listen to that fiasco right about now. And the Academy Award... For best picture. You're awful. <laughs> Come on. La La Land. Yeah! La La Land has 14 Oscar nominations this year and is tied for the most nominated movie in Oscar history, winning seven Oscars. I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. I think you guys should keep it anyway. Oh, it's fine. I'm sorry. Guys. This is uh, very unfortunate what happened. Personally, I blame Steve Harvey for this. I would like to see you get an Oscar anyway. Why can't we just give I, out a whole bunch I, of them? I, I'm going to be really proud to hand this to my friends from Moonlight. That's Man. nice of you. That's very nice. Uh, hello. Hello. I, I want... Warren, what did you do? So what I forgot about that whole thing after Warren Beatty fucked everything up and said that La La Land won when it's not, what I forgot about that was, because in that clip, I've cut out about like two minutes of the La La Land producers being like, this is proof that you can just follow your dreams and do what's necessary and blah, 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 blah. blah. When you go back to watch that now, knowing what's coming, it is excruciating with every passing platitude that's coming out of that guy's mouth. You're like, oh, no. Oh, it's Jordan Horowitz. When he he delivers, when he says moonlight, the utter disdain. (laughs) 
the best part about it, the best part about that is when he snatches the uh, envelope. Um, envelope out of Warren Beatty's hand. Warren Beatty, who's like standing there with a big grin in his face the entire time, and this dude also is about like eighty. Oh, he looks like <laughs> stretched and old. Like shouldn't like it looked like he was like fuck this. And then he's I like, hey, uh, what happened was I read, I saw Emma Stone's name, and thus I put two and two together. And he's like, I wasn't trying to be funny, uh, you know, like it's all like whatever. And then Jimmy Kimmel's like ushers him off stage and tries to make terrible jokes. I remember that happening in real time. I was actually mm-hmm. awake watching it, and I was just like practically screaming at my laptop I was just like what it, the there fuck? is like there's a wide shot of all of them when they realise what's happened and Ryan Gosling is like laughing Emma Stone's going oh my god oh my god yeah. you can see and her Ryan mouth, Gosling oh is god. just like <laughs> <laughs> absolute state of because I saw someone say well, with Parasite winning I saw people say like finally you know a good film has won an Oscar in recent years and I'm like we just keep forgetting that Moonlight won it like, oh, yeah like, it's an excellent film you remember the fiasco but you don't remember that Moonlight was like their moment was fucking their speech was also gorgeous as well yeah and there was a lot of graciousness by La La Land's producers and being like hey listen you guys won but like oof what a legacy what a fuck like how was Warren Beatty not taking out the back and just shot in the back of the head after that like <laughs> who was with him again Here, look, oh it was, it was Price Waterhouse Cooper the fucked up <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, was that the guy who they, had to hand the they're envelopes? They're the people who did the envelopes, and I think they, for some reason, they have two of every envelope. But the guy giving the uh, best actress yeah. ended up being back out there again because the guy said he was handing the envelopes to the presenters. Said he got distracted one, by like one job, mate. Like, yeah, did, did he get distracted <laughs> by Emma Stone? He was, he was like, oh my god, it's, bo- it's Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then he was just like, I handed them the wrong envelope, and it was like, oh. My God, that guy got fired. Had to have been fired. There's oh, no, there's 100%. no question. That, like, like, gone. like disowned by his family. I don't like big, big, big company like that. He might have just disappeared. I remember <laughs> uh, if I can do what I always do and tie this into professional wrestling. Um, there was a thing years ago where the Undertaker in WWE was coming out for a match, and there was all these flames coming up, like like at a rock gig. Remember when James Hetfield got done by some flames at a rock gig? Yes, I do. At a Metallica gig. The same thing happened to Undertaker. He basically like was standing in a spot where flames ripped up and like like got him up the side, like really fucked him up as he's going out for his match. And it was completely the pyro guy's fault because Taker had his marks and this guy fucked it up. And the 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 quote that was doing the rounds was the guy was fired before he got back through the curtain. Like that was that was what was said. Like like it was done. And it was very much like this is the this is the way it works. This is how it works. You're gone. It's over. Like fire. I mean, in fairness, you. like he almost killed a man. I know he put a guy on fire. <laughs> like at the end of the day, Moonlight got the best Oscar. Okay. Uh, any closing statements on La La Land? Would you, you've seen it twice now. I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice now. I've seen it twice. I'll never watch it again. I, yeah. Good look, night, everybody. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very surface level, but um, you know sweet. this this it it's it's sweet. sweet um. If there's if the two leads weren't in it, if we had the two leads we mentioned earlier, it would be unwatchable. Um, yeah, just put Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone in more movies. I get excited when I, I see them like link hands at a at a, at a movie theater. Yeah. I do think like one of the biggest downfalls for me, and I'm like I'm aware it's a musical that he wanted. He didn't want it to be like a musical of like big musical style poppy numbers. That it's like, it's a jazz musical. But like, just have a banger or two in there. Like, City of Stars is a really nice song and it's a nice theme that comes back into it a lot. But like, yeah. Gotta Do you know that uh, Damien Chazelle has more musicals coming your way? Great. Netflix series. Oh, I think I know. Set in Paris. Mm, go on. Starring Andre Holland, which has been intrigued. Um, I'm not 100% sure what it's about. And he also has a 1920s 
Hollywood movie called Babylon with your boy Brad Pitt and Emma Stone again. I'm in. Nice. Yes, there we go. He's back. Is that all you need? I still haven't seen First Man though, so I better get on that. Yeah. It gets very, very, very dusty up there on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, hang on. Uh, you mentioned real quick before we go, you mentioned uh, watching uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone link hands in a movie theater. You've just given me the inspiration for, and I'm not on Letterboxd, but this could be a Letterboxd list, uh, movie stars watching movies in a movie theater in movies. For example, True Romance. I, 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 I thought I'd like a kind of Trisha oh, yeah. and Slater. And of course, lads, great, another excuse to get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood back in there. Uh, what about Cape Fear? Sure. Robert De Niro chain smoking, just like <laughs> cackling. Chain smoking cigars, I think, as well. Cinema Paradiso. Yeah. Yeah. This one could run and run. Maybe it's a new well, podcast. This is why you need to go on Letterboxd then. <laughs> that's not done by any of us. Welcome to Cinemacast with me. Uh, so, okay, that's uh, that's that for this time. Next up, though, on No Popcorn, our movie is chosen by a special guest who will be joining us, and that movie is this movie. Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. The world of Labyrinth. That's Labyrinth, mate. David Bowie's Labyrinth. A film I haven't watched since I was a child. And I remember being, um, having all, all kinds of feelings about this movie when I was young. Some confusing. Some yeah, scary. Yeah, very much so. I, <laughs> I must have been it's like a wild six, ride. six, <laughs> six sure or seven. <laughs> yeah, like, not for kids. Even though it's for kids. Like, it's kind of fucked up, right? Yeah. Which we'll talk yeah. about. A lot what? of gy- gyrating. Is there, is that? Have I just made a memory? No, I think that's mainly to do with the costuming, isn't it? Mm. It's quite t- tight. Tight. <laughs> and you've got like a, a Jim Pronounced. Henson monster that looks like Eamon Dunphy. You've got uh, young Jennifer Connelly and you've got some tunes, man. This is the thing. This is a musical with absolute wall-to-wall uh, listen, bangers. Dance Magic Dance hasn't left my brain since I heard it. So that's what La La Land needed. It needed to just parachute in some <laughs> David, David Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> and an Eamon Dunphy rock monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hang on, Bowie was alive when La La Land came out, was he? he was yes. 2016? This could he get very grim. 2016. This no, could get he, grim, very, very grim, very fast. He, he came out in 2017. He died in 2017. I think oh, the so. January, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he, he was out in America in 2016. Sure, we'll talk all about that when we do Labyrinth. But for now, thank you, Norma Howard. Thank you very much. Thank you, David Higgins. Thank you, Dave. And we'll be returning with Labyrinth pretty soon with our special guest, Zara Elizabeth Hederman, who has been honest to do this movie for about a year now, if not longer. And uh, yeah, no, no Encore, of course, is also back soon. Myself and Craig will be getting back into your weekly music digest. I'm very excited about it. But to play us out this week, uh, something from La La Land. Here it is. I don't know. Bye. <laughs> it's love. Yes, all we're looking for is love from someone else. A rush. A glance. A touch. A dance. A look in somebody's eyes. To light up the skies. To open the world and send me really a voice that says I'll be this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.